Welcome to Exit Pole Left. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number two of Exit Pole Left. I'm your host, Jenny Floyd. And I'm your co-host, Crystal Figueroa. It's been two episodes already? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and like, less than a week. We're getting it. So, um, we're just going to hop into it today. We've got some concerning things that are happening uh, across the United States outside of the pandemic. And the one that's most heavily on my mind right now is definitely what we're seeing take place in Portland. Yeah. Um, we are seeing unmarked um, vehicles. Vehicles. We are seeing unidentified federal agents mm -hmm. uh, come into Portland. Mm -hmm. They are carrying out... Uh, well, they're trying to disperse protesters, mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, they're using tear gas and rubber bullets and batons. I saw a video today where they actually attacked a Navy vet, a 53-year-old Navy mm -hmm. vet, uh, approached them in hopes of having a rational conversation with the actions that they were taking against residents of the city, and they beat him uh, and pepper sprayed him and broke his hand in multiple places. And now he has to have surgery and pins put in. And so, mm. you know, it's, what are they doing there? First off, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. it seems that the federal government is saying that they are there to protect federal property, um, property over people again. Yeah. Property over people. Not only that, but the things that we've seen happen in Portland against, you know, federal government property has been, like, minimal. Yeah, and, and, and Portland doesn't want them there. No, Portland doesn't want them so there So it's all. not like, you know, the city saying, hey, we're, we're drowning in riots and we need your help. Please help support. us. Yeah. yeah. They didn't ask for it. No. So they just literally took it upon themselves, like, hey, go to this place and arrest as many people as you can. And it's just... It's very, it's very scary because they are protesting. Protesting is the First Amendment right, right? Yep. Um, now, I get people are going to say, well, what about the riots? What about this? What about that? All right. Well, we've came to a conclusion last episode, if you guys didn't tune in, was that riots don't happen just because. Yeah, they don't happen in a vacuum, A. And B, it's, they're not done by the protesters, no, I mean, f just speaking from my own personal experience, I attended a protest here in Asheville mm -hmm. and we were out there peacefully for hours. Right. <clears throat> and we had been told earlier on in the day that there were going to be counter protesters coming and, and that you would know when to leave. Well, and in my rational mind, I thought that it was going to be like an organized counter protest. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But no, right. what happened was that they came in, they infiltrated our group, and they wreaked havoc. They started shooting fireworks at police. They actually shot one into the crowd. And that's when, you know, it hit the fan. The cops started to uh, retaliate using tear gas and rubber bullets. Yeah. And we were all down in front of the uh, main police station in downtown Asheville. Mm -hmm. And once everybody started to disperse, uh, because the air was seriously so thick with tear gas that if you didn't have a gas mask, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was a, 
it was a bad sight. So everybody started to disperse. And once we got into the streets of downtown, Mm -hmm. that's when we started to notice the broken windows. Mm. And that wasn't us. Mm. There were hundreds of us Mm -hmm. and we were all congregated in a single area. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so to me, it was very clear that these were outside agitators The, the people that were arrested, there was one gentleman that was arrested from Georgia. He was a white guy out of Georgia. He was arrested for, for shooting off the fireworks. Mm -hmm. So we know that there are outside agitators that Mm -hmm. are coming into these protests. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that there's agent provocateurs there. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, we saw it. We've seen it in other places. You know, and, and those are just pretty much police officers that are sent in to stir people up. And give the police department a reason to disperse the crowd. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very scary thing. And I've seen a lot of people highly disturbed by not only the presence of the federal agency agents in there, the how they're handling protesters, the fact that neither the city nor the state of Washington want them there, Mm -hmm. which is also going against precedent where in the past we've seen cities... Ask, yeah, ask federal agencies for help, and that's not what we're seeing. No. Um, he's just taking it up. He's just taking it, in, you know, in his own hands and says, well, I'm going to be the, I don't know, the grand savior here. Well, it's law and order. Exactly. Right? That it's him and William Barr. And uh, and by him, we mean Donald Trump. Yeah, by him, we mean Donald Trump. You know, and it's this, we already know that he has an authoritarian streak in him, and I think that he sees this as an opportunity to galvanize his base Mm -hmm. and also to instill fear, which will then... And let's talk about the fact that his base is all about Second Amendment rights. Let's, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just... To protect them from government. To protect them against government. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at a video from Now This, which Now This is a, you know, pretty liberal, you know, media site on Facebook. And there was this Republican that actually came out and he said, most libertarians, no, actually all libertarians are against government interference, against government interference and all for protection of the individual's rights. And that there's a lot of libertarians in the Republican Party. And that's what he was saying. He said, you know what? Us as Republicans, we have to stand up against this tyranny. He literally called it tyranny. Because... Libtards, mm. you know what I right. mean. Like that's that. Uh, that's just, literally what it is, right? And I want people to understand that you and me, at least, there might be some out there, you know, that that are really extreme or whatever. But at where it stands, you guys, and we're both pretty liberal, you know. Oh yeah. But where it stands is the fact that we want to protect our rights, any rights, all of our rights, yeah. regardless of who you are. Nobody should be fearful to go out and use their First Amendment right to protest because the government's going to retaliate in some way. I mean, for goodness sakes, we had a literally armed militia go into a government building protesting, right? And this was not even peaceful protest, what they call it. Yeah. No, no, no. I would honestly say this was an act of force. I mean, you, you already know if this would have been coming up into our, some other Republicans, you know, office and it was there. Oh, we don't yeah. Even have it would have been a different story. Let's actually, was, let's actually yeah. talk about when it happened. Okay. Let's talk about when the Black Panthers, right? Went into what was it? A, a, the, 
the Senate or the House in in California mm. armed. I mean, they weren't they the they weren't the guns weren't loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they had the, a show, right? Yeah. And what happened the next day? <laughs> the, the next day, literally the next time that they were in session, not only. Did, were they like met up with like resistance and all the force of the law and SWAT came out? But the very next time that they were in session, they passed a gun protection of bill. Of course they did. Because right? Because it was black people. Yes. Yeah. Black people that didn't, that weren't even fully it's armed. Like they right? forget that, that people outside of the Republican Party can arm themselves. I mean, you know what I mean? But, and, and that is, there, there's a, there's a big hypocrisy there as far as, you know, we need these guns to protect ourselves against a tyrannical government. And, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. And they're rah, rah, yeah. you know, go, go Trump. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen posts, for goodness sakes, I've seen posts where they're like, well, they shouldn't have been out there protesting in the first place. That is their right. That is their <laughs> constitutional <laughs> right of expression. And that, what? No. <laughs> I mean, no, for goodness sakes, you know, I wasn't, I, honestly, all those unmaskers, the people that didn't want to get masked the or whatever, maskers, whatever yeah. they, were, they call themselves now, um, Trump space, I don't know. Point is, I, I don't like, I don't like their message, but I will stand against it. I will stand in favor of their rights. Sure, I if any like, of their rights were being violated. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. The thing is, is that wearing, asking somebody to wear a mask It was not. Right but as far as protesting against Sure. This, oh, yeah. It, of course. You know? I mean, can we have a good laugh? Yeah. Yeah. We all needed it. It was but in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> would we support the government coming in and silencing yeah. their, their voice and shutting down their First Amendment right to assembly? No. Hell no. No. And, and that's one thing is that this is not the first time something like this has happened mm. as far as shutting protests down. And that's really kind of the nitty gritty that I wanted to get in today because it's easy right now to point to Trump and Barr, our acting, or our attorney general as the boogeyman in the room because they're the ones that are carrying out these actions, which they shouldn't. No, but, but. this is a result of the past three administrations yep. and we finally have someone that has the gall to abuse it exactly 100 and this is so and what i mean by that is what he is able to do and the constitutionality of what is taking place in portland is there's a very vigorous debate mm -hmm. going mm -hmm. on about this and unfortunately i think that it will be found that the actions of these agents is constitutional right. and it was made to be constitutional through the Patriot Act and through the National Defense mm -hmm. Authorization Act, mm -hmm. uh, especially the one signed by Barack Obama in 2012. Mm -hmm. So with the Patriot Act, specifically the, uh, Section 802, uh, redefined how domestic terrorism uh, or, re you know, yeah, redefined domestic terrorism. Right. And it really kind of opened it up to more of an interpretation mm -hmm. and... You know, you don't have to have links to foreign groups. There, there doesn't need to be a known affiliation with a terroristic group, which the KKK should be. A it should be. Group. Uh, you know, and, but we could get into a discussion about <laughs> kinds of things regarding that. But so the Patriot Act and how we define terrorism, especially domestic terrorism, mm -hmm. and also the Patriot Act 
established the Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. which worked with the U.S. Marshals in Portland. Yep. So there's one leverage. Yep. And then the other leverage is really the National Defense Authorization Act in yep. 2012, which was signed by Barack Obama. Uh, he was a big proponent of it. Mm-hmm. It was very worrying. I remember mm-hmm. when it passed, people are like, there's going to come a time where, where we are going to have a president that is going to abuse this power. And here we are. And here we are. Because that's that that act basically made the detention of a sus- person of suspected of domestic terrorism indefinite. They don't, yeah, they don't even have, and a lot of it actually has to do with immigration. Right. So what happened under that act was that the powers to indefinitely detain an American citizen was granted to almost all agencies within the government, including DHS, which runs ICE. So, and, and ICE doesn't need to think you're a terrorist to detain you. DHS doesn't need to think that you're a terrorist to detain they you. They just need to think that you're an illegal. That, that they can use that excuse mm-hmm. for whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking to my mom about it today and she is of Italian descent. And I said, they could roll up on you and be like, you look too Italian. Yep. And scoop you up. And then guess what? Good luck, uh, you know, finding your, your way due back. Process. Right. Like, right. good luck with that. Right. So this is really, we're seeing the tipping point here of a lot of policies that have been passed in the past three administrations that weakened our constitutional rights. And really, we could even go back to, I think it was 1953, where it was established that immigration officers had a hundred mile border to like a hundred mile area uh, around any physical U.S. border. So, you know, up, you know, Canada, Mexico and the oceans, there is a hundred mile mm-hmm. uh, area in which they can enforce immigration law. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. Because and if you've opened any book on immigration law, it's so it's open so, to, yes, to interpretation. interpretation. So we really need to start having conversations about this because Donald Trump is not going to be the only president that will abuse his power. No. Please believe me. And this is being used as a chilling effect on people exercising their First Amendment rights, which and, and the bad thing about it is that this could take years to play out in court. I mean, and it's not only that, you know, because we're just seeing the, the beginnings of it. What if we actually in the future have this? I mean, this has he Donald Trump has tendencies mm-hmm. of being a tyrannical, mm-hmm. you know, leader. Yeah. What if we actually have one that has planned this all his life and says, "This is the way that I can do this." Well, if Donald Trump gets reelected, we may just have to worry about that. Yep. Oh, one hundred percent. Because he's not going to be worried about no reelection. No. Uh, I think that it would escalate. Um, considerably. And if you don't, if you think, oh, well, you know, they were just protesting, they were just exercising their First Amendment rights, and that's, nothing's going to happen to me if I stay home. Oh, I beg your pardon? Yeah. No, sorry. And, and again, this comes back to, you know, uh, President Obama and the policies that he passed, uh, regarding surveillance of U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. This comes back to the FISA court. Like, this comes... It's all linked together. Because this comes back to policing 
wanting to stop anything before it even starts, even if there's a suspicion. Yeah. And, and please believe that. And I don't want to become a fear monger. I don't <laughs> want to become a, oh, be worried, be worried. Just be mindful. Just understand that your communication over the internet is already monitored. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and so that is also terrifying because you can be in the privacy of your own home. You do not have to be physically present at a gathering for them to pull an excuse mm-hmm. and come and arrest you. Mm-hmm. And there's been many cases by the FBI. Actually, one of the, one of these most famous cases, I forget his name, that he was tried and then after 20 years in, in federal prison, he was found not guilty. Um, that the FBI actually paid someone to, or, or they pay people to actually go out and find terrorists. Oh, they entrap them. Yes. And, yeah. and, and this was one of the most, and if I could just think of his, his name, um, this was one of the most famous cases where this, this man, this, this paid employee from the FBI called him and called him and called him and started, you know, making him say different things. And he, they created a terror, a, a terror plot. Yeah. Yeah. So then, they could call him a terrorist. Yeah. And he was not given due process. Um, his attorney, his first attorney failed miserably because he, she, she didn't have the clearance for like, you know, higher up security level stuff like that. And it was just, it was just a tragedy. Yeah. And the fact that this could happen to anyone, anyone, we are in such a, I don't, it's not difficult. We are in like, a such different times right now with the pandemic that we are in such vulnerable times mm, with mm-hmm. the pandemic Yeah, that anything that we could say could possibly be interpreted as going against the government. That's terrifying. It is. Because so, even this, even this terrifying. podcast, yeah. even this podcast, because, you know, we have a, we have a president that does not believe in masks. That does not believe in tests. That does not believe in COVID for the longest time, right? So if we go against that belief, we are essentially going against the government. If we go against police brutality, we are going against the government. If we go against immigration and putting children in cages, we are going against the government. And that, if you're against Donald Trump, you're, if you are at at this point, if it is being framed, that if you are against Donald Trump, then you are anti-America. Mm-hmm. Think about that just for a second. This country yeah. has seen now 45 presidents. And I'm sure some of them have had power trips. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. But one of the very foundations of our nation is that we do not have a king. Mm-hmm. We don't have a king. And he wants to be king really bad. And he is going to fill as he has. He, he has filled his cabinet with yes men. He has filled his cabinet with people who are just as power hungry as he is. Mm-hmm. The scary thing is they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-mm. Right? He's kind of a, he kind of flounders around and, and tries to turn everything into a campaign rally. 
he has filled his cabinet with extremely intelligent people. Mm-hmm. I disagree with him. I think that they are a danger to our society and the fabrics of our very democracy, but that doesn't mean they're stupid. Mm-mm. They're very smart. Oh, they and know. that's the scary part. Yeah. That, you know, Donald Trump is like an empty shell. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump is their literal, like they said it before, you know, these people, po- politicians are just the face. No, no, no. Donald Trump is the face. Donald Trump is the face to rally the crowds behind him. He has very powerful, and I'm not just talking about political, I'm talking money. Oh, yeah. I'm talking billions yeah. of, of money. I think I just got a report that they're about to drop like $3 billion, the Republicans, in campaign ads. To $3 billion, if I, if my if that number is correct. Let me, let me make sure. And then we have two point five million. And two point five million. Oh, right? two point five million. Million. Okay, right, okay. million. But so still, two point five million in campaign ads. Just kind just, of a just right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and that's like you said, it's nothing. Yeah. And these are the kind of people that are backing him. Yeah. Because they they know they know if we keep this man here in this position, he'll do whatever the hell we want him to do. And I don't know. See, that's the thing is I don't know. I don't know if they can control him like that. I mean, honestly, I just feel like the way that they're controlling him is the the way that they're saying, like, listen, you're going to put your face on here. We're going to stamp your face on this. We're going to they're just feeding into his ego. Well, fair enough. Creating I, yeah, this I agree world, with that. Yeah. Creating this world that, hey, Donnie. But yeah, you're the creator of this, yeah. you know? Yeah, Look yeah, at this. yeah, yeah. Look at everything that you've done. Yeah. So they've, they're feeding into this ego that he, that he has that, that, that is, you know, insatiable that yeah, he, yeah. he, he, it will be never, it never will be filled. And they can do whatever the hell they want him to do. Cause like we said, Betsy DeVos. True. You yeah. know, she gets paid through private education, yeah. private education. You know, we have a person in the head of the EPA that doesn't even believe in EPA regulation. Ugh. Like it's 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 Yeah, I mean it's a mess. It it it's a mess. Uh and I think that and this is just the beginning. Worse. Yeah, and I, I think that what's truly kind of frightening for me is how is Donald Trump going to react in November if he were to lose? Oh yeah. We've had this discussion before, and, I mean, he's come out publicly that he says, we will see. Yeah, I mean, it's... He said, no, I will see. He's already, like, questioning the um, legitimacy of the election, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. I mean, and like I said, we're in a vulnerable situation with yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of people that are part of our largest voting block are also part of our vulnerable population yep. that cannot expose themselves. So that's why we see here in North Carolina that the governor has relaxed some of the, uh, some of the things that are needed to vote by mail. Granted, it's not enough, but still, he's relaxed it's at least something. Some yeah, it's something. And so I, I, I truly believe that that's what they're going to latch on to. I do voter outreach, you know, in my full-time job. And one of the biggest things that we get from Republicans, Trump supporters, are I don't want the Democrats to steal my ballot. That is literally the most common response that I receive. And you know it's the exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. Like, 
The fact of the matter is that the Republicans have made more fraud through absentee ballots. Yeah. Than any other people, and, including and something illegals to, that don't vote. That's something to take into consideration, right? The fact that this, that fraud is possible, right? That's definitely something to take in, into consideration. But not through the Democratic side. So, well, I mean, just regardless, right? That, yeah. that's about the safety of our elections and there should be, uh, things put in place to safeguard that. Right. However, voting by mail is pretty safe. And I mean, I mean there's a tracking enough, now. It's safe enough for the president, right? <laughs> it's safe enough for how many of our, our armed, armed forces. forces. Yep. Um, it's safe enough for Ivanka Trump. Mm. So don't Be please listen, yeah. please. And I'm saying this to Democrats. I'm saying this to Republicans. I'm saying this to liberals. I'm saying this to Trump Republicans. Everybody listen to me. The Republican party has for decades rolled out tactics to suppress the vote Mm -hmm. because it's been shown statistically that when voter turnout is low, they win. Mm -hmm. So they do whatever needs to be done, like voter ID, Mm. like, you know, running all this propaganda Mm -hmm. against vote by mail, Mm -hmm. which God knows how many of our elected uh, Officials who are Republican vote by mail. Mm -hmm. So understand that this is a partisan tactic to keep people from voting. And which is go ahead. It's just about as anti-American as you can. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. And if you are a proud American, like we like some of us claim to be, then we should be doing everything in our power to protect our vote. Because at the end of the day, that is the power that we as Americans have. I mean, if I feel proud saying, you know, like, if I don't like this president, I can exercise my right to vote. And, and if, if, if I'm not like the only one and there's like a multitude of people that don't feel the same way, we'll vote him out. Right. We're not talking about the Electoral College. We're talking about the public. Um, and that, that, that gives us a source of security. Mm. But this election has definitely made me so scared for our democracy because I don't feel that secure anymore. No. Especially with what happened up in Kentucky, that they closed 95% of the voting polling sites. And then they wanted to close by six when there was already hundreds of people in line. That is, that's scary. It's terrifying because what other leverage do uh, of accountability do we have Mm -hmm. right and we hear it over and over and over and over and over and over again like you don't like it vote them out you don't like it vote them out what if you can that is our mechanism of accountability in this country and what if you can't Mm -hmm. exactly what if you what do we do then what do we do then do we overthrow the government I mean, I, I really would rather not be having this conversation. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, but, I, w- I would much rather be safe with my yeah. vote in, in November. And again, we go back to this being a vulnerable situation. But how do, how are we supposed to navigate having our right to vote stripped from us in a very conniving, deceiving way mm-hmm. where it's not in black and white? Right? It's not in black and white. How is, how is it legal 
for a state to shut down 95% of its polling uh, locations, that's the question that we need to ask. Yeah. And again, I, I go back to this is a vulnerable situation. Yeah. We're going to use COVID whenever it's going to be. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. November is going to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't doubt. I mean, we are seeing, we're just now seeing some results out of New York. Mm. Mm. It's been half a month since their primary. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be on a national scale. Mm. It's going to be a disaster. It, I wouldn't doubt if it takes a good month, month and a half. Oh, maybe more. To get the results from November back. And that is going to be the scary time. Because that's going to be, it's going to be so up in the air. I mean, I think he's putting his plan into motion already. Yeah, I th- and I believe you. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think we are starting to see him roll it out now. Because, and William Barr came out and said this today, so has the uh, acting director of DHS. They've come out and said, look, Portland's a test city. Mm. This is a test ground. We're working out the kinks here. And and not to mention the, you know, the ICE citizen yeah. school that, that they're... Which is all... Oh. Yeah. So, you want to... Yeah, I mean, there, you know, for all of those that don't know, this is another, and this is where I think that, you know, this is, this is a plan that they have, because it's, it's impossible for everything to be happening so out of coincidence. Sure. Um, there's an ICE, what is it, Citizen, how do they name it? It's, it's the ICE Citizen Academy. That's what it is. ICE Citizen Academy, which sounds, Scary enough. Well, or flowery, <laughs> however you want. Oh, education. <laughs> so what they're trying to sell it as is they're trying to to basically, you know, inform the common person what it's about, what ICE does, how they keep humanity and dignity yeah. within the people that they detain, and might even give you a tour of an ICE detention center. Yeah, yeah. And, and talk about the stellar medical treatment Ooh. that they give to ICE All detainees. Right. So, you know, th- this is what they're, they're, this is what they're, they're saying that it's about. Yeah. But then there's Probably a little... Excerpt, like there's a little part at the end of it that said, Oh, we might even train you in the use of a firearm, and we might even train you how to detain people, and we might even train you, you know, basic self defense mechanisms. Yeah, which so, makes me think it's not just for education. No, no, no I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to agree with you there, and and that's another thing, uh, again. Uh, we're seeing the federal government come into a city. In mm-hmm. this case, it's Chicago, mm-hmm. where there's a large population of Latinos. Yeah, and guess who doesn't want them there? Chicago, the city of Chicago. Uh, their amazing mayor, who I absolutely <laughs> adore, has come out and pretty much said we don't want vigilantes in our city, and that's exactly what this Citizens Academy is going to produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I was scrolling on the, the, uh, ICE website today and I, I read their, their press release regarding the Citizens Academy and it was very innocent. It, it just sounded so, we just want to teach people. We want to show them how that, ICE works. Yeah, we want to show them how we function, how we uphold the dignity of ICE detainees. Mm-hmm. We want to debunk some myths that go on about mm-hmm. us. 
which we've had our own interaction with, with ice a officials. wonderful ice agent in Henderson County who was full of crap mm. along with the sheriff there. And that's Henderson County, North Carolina, where they still participate in a program called 287G, yeah. which sheriff. is a county partnership no, with ICE. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and he was full of crap then. They're full of crap. Yeah. Um, this is not going to be an education. No. This is going to be a fully trained people that are going to go out into the streets and are going to try to detain as many illegals as yeah. you can. Oh, and that's your brown. Right. Yeah. I should have put my Come shirt on. Legal. I should have put my shirt, do I look illegal to you? Yeah. yeah. Right? Because make no mistake, you people that go out there and tan, don't tan too much. Oh, right. Because you might need to, you know, have your passport yep. ready to hand right? it out to Wear your papers. How Again, are you? Again, I hate that we're having to have conversations. Oh, tell me about it. That are legitimately terrifying they're terrifying and it's like i don't want to be alarmist i don't want to be alarmist i don't want to say that we've got brown shirts in portland i don't want to say that we're gonna have you know this citizens brigade or militia whatever you want to call it going around asking brown people for their freaking papers i don't want to be having these conversations but this is where we are america Mm -hmm. this is where we are these are the conversations that need to be had and i mean we can't be scared of having them now because if we don't talk about it then what the hell are we going to do when they come knocking on our door because god forbid that the house that you're in right now was what was in the past owned by a name that sounds brown yeah because they're gonna have to come knocking on your door too okay and, and again not even that it's we we have to remember that our interactions on the internet can be traced mm-hmm. they, they can they can spy on us that's mm-hmm. just how it is uh and so if they think that you are acting a certain way or they can come knocking on your door you exhibit certain they're you know come certain knocking things. on your door yeah they 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 very well may come knock on your door or and just that you know take you out of your car is terrifying and it's exhausting and we're already an anxious country because of this damn pandemic you know listen i'm my parents are from mexico and we see in mexico all the time um the most famous one was the 43 students that disappeared. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but that happens on a daily basis. There's people looking for their children, their mothers, their fathers, even now. Every protest, people, every single protest that happened in Mexico, there is at least, at least 10 people disappeared. Oh, yeah. By, by the police. And it happened in I'm, South America yeah. too. And I'm asking you guys now, in all certainty, and, and with, like, literally my heart on my sleeves, do you want that to happen here? Do you want to be searching for your family members and not ever be able to find them? Because the police take them and they then they hold them in God knows where. And well, if, and that, let's not forget about the existence of black sites. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's not. These are, we are, we are talking about federal agencies uh, do not think that they don't have locations to take people that they've detained that are deemed terrorists that are deemed terrorists mm-hmm. or dissenters mm-hmm. or, you know, so again, we're seeing this whole web that was born out of nine 11. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing right now. And, and we have to, and I'm sorry to say it. We have to dismantle it. You we have, have to. Everyone, and during 9-11, and I'm not saying that it wasn't bad, 
It was. It was horrible. Oh, it was horrific. I, I can't even imagine, you know, all those people that were lost. But we are losing more American lives due to that now. Well, I mean, just look at the war on terror. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's look a, how many soldiers we've lost over... You know what I mean? Like, at what point is enough enough? I mean, you know, I don't... I don't want to sound, like you said, like an alarmist. And I don't want to be like one of those people that are like smaller government. But um, it's just smart government. Exactly. Yeah. Moral government. I, I mean, when will we respect the rights of all? When? Never. It's, it's ridiculous. Never. We will not. We will not. This is not even about parties um, anymore. You no, know? this is beyond. This is beyond partisanship. Because I have a, I have a. A, a, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine that I went to Gardner Webb with, he's a libertarian and he speaks against police brutality. Like you have no idea. He's like, why the hell do we have police not working for us? That's right. Because they were never meant to work for us. No. Why the hell do we have brown shirts in Portland? Yeah. Because they were never meant to protect us. No, they're there to protect property. property. And that's what I mean. If this is not about parties because he is a libertarian. Yeah. And yet here we are agreeing on these issues that are considered progressive. Yeah. It's not about parties. No. It's, it's about not, yeah. moral dignity. Well, and it's about, again, the Constitution. Right. And that how... upholds that should we should feel protected. And I'm sorry, but I don't feel protected right no. now. Well, because we have a living document right the, the constitution is in all reality ever changing mm -hmm. uh and the the problem with that is is that it can bend to the will of those in power mm. so what traditionally would be deemed unconstitutional is no longer unconstitutional mm -hmm. because you have people you have and I don't want to demonize scholars by any means, but they go in there, they pick it apart, they find a loophole, they find an empty space that they can fill, mm -hmm. and it's warped and changed, and here we are, you know? And so, and it shouldn't be like that, right? My way of seeing things, and maybe I'm not alone in this, and I hope to God I'm not alone in this, but if... If a law infringes upon the rights of one person, that's one person too much. Mm. Like, I, I, I get, I'm not talking about inconvenience, anti-maskers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actual, like, you can't protest. Like, you can't, you know, go in and, and just practice one religion. I'm talking about those type yeah. of Well, and we rights. saw that here in North Carolina in Graham County. Mm -hmm. Where they tried to make protesting illegal. Right. They, they would let, you know, right wing armed protesters come right. out. But if you wanted to have a protest in the name of Black Lives Matter. Oh, you weren't. You they tried to make it illegal to assemble. And thankfully, we have organizations like the ACLU who was, you know, able to come in. They filed a lawsuit and they got, they got it squashed within the week. Thankfully. Yeah. Because. But Right. What? Right. You right. cannot say who can and cannot protest based on your own personal political affiliation. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And this is law enforcement. Yep. Law mm -hmm. enforcement that shouldn't even be there to begin with. What? So, you know, it's, there's, there's big questions that need to be asked. 
And the the main thing is that they're not answered hastily. No. They're not answered by a knee-jerk reaction. They're not, oh, well, if we get rid of Donald Trump, then this will never be an issue again. No. no. Something that AOC, and I think I said in the last episode, said that is really, really alarming is the fact that she said he can be voted out. He can be impeached. He can, I mean, for all I know, he can die, right? But the damage that he's created is going to take decades. Yeah, to undo. Decades. Yes. And that's if we have somebody who wants to fix it, right? Here we have Joe Biden coming in on the tales of Barack Obama, who uh, deported the highest number of immigrants. 400,000. Uh, signed the NDAA, weakened our constitutional rights, and here's his partner in crime, uh, running on the Democratic ticket. So it's gonna take more than decades because we're still gonna be, uh, uh, held back another four years, even if Donald Trump loses. Mm-hmm. Even if we get a, a Democratic president mm-hmm. in there, he is Barack Obama light. Because again, this isn't about parties. No. This is this about is not about party power. We are both Democrat, yes. but I can assure you that the Democrats have failed this country. They have failed yeah. us. We cannot sit here and act like the Democratic Party is perfect. Oh hell, no! It's not. It needs to change. The fact the fact that I just said this, I, our thoughts of progressive, as far as abolish the police, as far as defund the police literally lines up with some of my friends that are libertarians. And my thoughts are progressive for the Democratic Party. Like, how is that? What? Well, and again, like, that's... I have, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I remember registering to vote in my government class in, like, my senior year, you know, and I didn't even honestly know... (laughs) What the difference between a Democrat and a Republican was, I just knew George Bush was, Bush was a Republican, and I didn't like him. So that must make me a Democrat, and sure as hell enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and I went a long time not understanding. I went a really long time living kind of on the outskirts mm-hmm. of our political uh debate mm-hmm. our our the environment mm-hmm. all of this i was very disconnected mm-hmm. and but once i started to get involved really honestly truly involved and tried my best to look at things from an objective perspective because at that point i wasn't like a die hard mm-hmm. democrat i wasn't ingrained in the party and i don't consider you a diehard democrat now no and because i'm not i disagree with them just as much as i agree with them it's just that my values align more with the democratic party yeah 100 percent more than the republican party and i think that's where a lot of people are i think that's where the vast majority of especially people our age yeah and that's where i'm getting at right that when i say the democratic party has failed us it's because they have failed to evolve into the party of the people. 100%. They have failed to cons- to continue to grasp those values. Yeah. They still want to stay in the era of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And even Bill Clinton. And even Bill Clinton. And we're not there yet anymore, people. Like, Bill Clinton, for God's sakes, put in the bar 
which essentially entrapped 11 million people in the United States because he put in place a bar that if you were here more than three months undocumented, then you were banned from the United States for at least five years. And if you were here for more than six months undocumented, you were banned from the United States for 10 years. So what did these people do? They had to stay. Yeah. Or just stay. Yeah. They yeah, had to stay. Stay illegally before, because they can't leave. Right. Before yeah. Bill Clinton, they would go, go back and come freely. Freely. Which, which made actually our economy better. Right. No. Because, I mean, we had migration instead of immigration. Yeah. And now these 11 million people had to stay for fear. So thanks to Bill Clinton, now we have the situation on undocumented immigrants here in the United States that have been here for more than 10 years, that are law-abiding citizens, and that still don't have documents. But a wall's going to work, right? Right. A wall's going to work? No. No. Again, it's not about parties, y'all. It's not about parties. It's the fact that both parties have failed our country. Yeah. Both of them. And how do we move forward? I mean, and that, again, look at the Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. Who... Who was president when Black Lives Matter started? Barack Obama. Barack Obama. It happened under not only a Democratic president, a Black Democratic president who had a Black attorney general. Mm-hmm. Like, but people want to act like Donald Trump is the only problem here. No. Again, like we said last episode, Donald it's the Trump, system. Right. Donald Trump is abusing. Yes. Abu- no, not abusing. Taking advantage. Yeah of the situation. That's what Donald Trump is doing. Donald Trump, and we knew this was going to happen. You and I saw it coming oh, yeah. for for years now. Why? Because this was all building. I was railing these, against the NDAA right. in, in 2012. This was all building. These laws were being made, one on top of the other. People were talking about it. Whenever 9-11, the Patriot Act happened, they were saying, what the hell? What do you mean surveillance on our phones? What do you mean that you're going to, that you're going to like, you know, spy on us? Oh, it's just in case something bad happens. Yeah, we got to protect you. Just in case. We have to protect you. Yeah. Well, it's just like that. I, I don't know if you remember, but the FBI had a slogan, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just encouraging Americans to, like... Snitch on each other. Sni- not only snitch on each other, but be paranoid of mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. It, it is... It, it, and because what, anyone can be a terrorist. What a form of control. Oh, mind what control. What a form 100%, of control. 100%. So, and that's what this is all about. That's what we're seeing right now happen in Portland. That's what they're hoping to expand in other cities. In which I have to say, uh, if you don't know, we are based in Asheville, North Carolina. The current chief of staff for President Trump is Mark Meadows, mm. who was our representative. Mm-hmm. And who endorsed one of the nine, one of the candidates that was running to replace him. Uh, yeah, Linda Bennett. Mm-hmm. But he's also come out in support, in vocal support of what is taking place in Portland and the a deployment of federal agents to that city. And Asheville is a liberal city. Mm-hmm. We are a very politically active city. Mm-hmm. And it's we hard. are already on Mark Meadows' radar. Mm-hmm. So I would not doubt if we see uh, some, some form of this similar. come to Asheville. Right. I don't. I, I don't. I, and honestly, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for. That's why there's so many protests, like, so many organizations organizing protests, crazy, um, <laughs> happening in secret, right? Yeah. 
Like, it doesn't happen out on Facebook. No. It doesn't happen, and I'm not going to say... It happens on encrypted networks. Right. And, yeah. Right. It happens on very encrypted networks where, you know, the organization, the key part of that organization is, you know, it cannot be shown, like, to public until it actually comes out of date and there's flyers made and stuff like that. And we, they do that for their own safety. I mean, how, yeah. how crazy that you have to guard yourself from your government. You I know? mean, is it though? It, no, it's not crazy. But is I mean, it? But again, it, 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 where it goes against everything that we've been ingrained to believe. Exactly. Yeah. Here in the United yeah. States. And that's where, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you asked the question, what do we do from here? Honestly, Jenny, I don't know what we're going to do from here. We're going to take, we need a radical change. We and do. I don't think Joe Biden is that. Joe change. Biden is the opposite of that. And I believe, I truly believe, you know, call me an optimistic. I truly believe people change and people, you know, evolve as time happens. And I hope he has. But I don't see it. But he's already come out and flat out said that nothing will fundamentally change. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I don't see it. So, I mean, we, and that's the thing. Again, if we are going to have to see how November goes. Because... Like I said, our mechanism of accountability is our vote. That is the only way that we have outside of rebellion. That's it. And so what are we going to do if the we continue down the path that we're already on, which is voter suppression? And it gets to the point where they make it almost impossible to cast a vote. What are we to do then? I mean, I don't know about y'all. But I'm all for, you know, going out on the streets and overthrow. Well, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to have to formulate something, but. And if you guys, you know, if they're spying on us, I mean. <laughs> like I said last episode, we can go out into the streets all we want, but what, what's going to happen at the end of that? Yeah, there has to be an organization. You know what I mean? There, there has to be serious discussion. And do I think that that needs to take place on an encrypted network? 100%. Yes. Do I think that uh, we should really honestly start having hard conversations with ourselves and our families and our fellow citizens regarding if November is as bumpy as I think it's going to be? A hundred percent. In the middle of a pandemic, nonetheless. We need to... One beautiful thing about this country is that we are born out of fighting. Mm -hmm. We are born out of upending bad policy. Mm -hmm. It's what we are born from. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one thing that I, I really want to make clear that for some reason we are very sheltered and we're very, we think that we're immune to this kind of uh, turbulence. I think more than anything, we think that our government is built to protect us. It's built to protect itself. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what I think, you know, even when, when we were in government class, you know, AP government and all that, I think since the beginning of our education, we are taught that the government is built to protect us. To uphold the constitution. The Bill of Rights sounds so nice. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful document. But did you, did you, do you remember how long it took to put it in there? Yeah. (laughs) 
so I mean, that, and, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. Exactly. The government is there to protect the government. The government is a machine that the its sole responsibility is to keep going, keep chugging along. That is it. Yeah. So because if the government was built to protect us, we should we wouldn't be seeing. Everything that's happening in Portland, we wouldn't we wouldn't need Black Lives Matter. We wouldn't need Black Lives Matter to begin with. Yeah, we wouldn't need to go out to the street to begin with. We wouldn't see Congress have an approving approval rating lower than freaking cockroaches. Right. Literally, cockroaches. Uh we wouldn't. But again, it comes back to, you know, we we talk about Black Lives Matter and we talk about immigration and we talk about this us versus them mentality. Well, the government has made it to where we're propagandized to believe that it's us versus them. When really it's us versus them, <laughs> you know, and, and so that's the way that we really need to kind of work on our mindset mm-hmm. and have to change the narrative. 100%. We have to change the narrative and we have to start talking about how uniting as an American people can overcome so many of the, uh, so many of the ills of our society, because the last thing that they want us to do is unite, is unite. That is terrifying to them. And we see it everywhere, right? In life, God forbid you work at a company and you talk about forming a union. You might get fired. You know what I mean though? Yeah. Like unity is terrifying to those in power because it lessens their power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, they have to have a tight grip on you in order to control you. 100%. Or they have to loosen the grip that you have with others. Mm-hmm. And again, so yeah, like we're, and I'm sure that we'll talk about this in future episodes. I'm sure that, you know, we'll see how this whole thing kind of unfolds, but I get ready just, to have some difficult conversations. Yeah. And it's conversations that are obviously overdue. Conversations that we put in the back burner because we quote, didn't need them conversations that we were trying to have because we saw it. The problem here is, Jenny, that us as brown people and black people, we saw it coming because we were the people first attacked. Remember that. You know, I I have to be prepared with a license all the time because God forbid someone pulls me over or talks to me and asks me for my documentation and I don't have it. There's been cases where they where American citizens have been arrested and detained by ICE. Oh yeah. And and then shipped off to like another ex- state. Exactly. Yeah. Have been have traveled around the United States with ICE. Families don't know where they are. They finally realize that this person is an American citizen and oops, we're sorry, we made a mistake. And uh <laughs> so you think they'll teach that in the citizens academy? <laughs> right? Like we scoop up American citizens. Yeah, just hey. because they look illegal. Yeah, because they look illegal. So, yeah. you know, make no mistake, the first people that this was tried on was the blacks by by local authorities, right? Police officers brown people by immigration. So now that they're coming for you, now that they're coming for the people that look like you, Jenny, yep. that's why we start having these conversations. What was, what's that, how's that saying go? I was not a Jew, so I did not stand up. Yeah. And now they're coming for me and there's no one to stand up for me. Yeah. So, but the good thing is, is that there's millions of us yes. to stand up. So in this, and we're right now, I, I, I'm telling you, you know, we were the guinea pigs. Mm. We started, like, they started this because of us, because they're terrified 
of us knowing our true power. Yeah. And I've said it before. They have taken away our freedoms. They have taken away our land. But they will never take away the centuries and centuries of fighting and resilience that run through our veins. Yeah. We were born to fight for our rights. And now we just need to catch up with you. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we, we, uh, we, we got some work to do. Yeah. Because everyone has been living in this, and by everyone, I mean a lot of, a lot of white people have been living in this bubble. You know, you're not included because you've always been very open-minded. Um, but how they have been living in this bubble where we're protected. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my God, that was terrible. What happened to Trayvon Martin? Or I mean, really, oh. we even look at other countries, right? And, and and we need the need to evangelize them, and we need the need to go and like send ministries over there to oh, help them and pat yeah, them don't on get the back. Me started on that, but, but yeah. And also, I th- what I what I was going to say on that note is that we look at other countries and we look at the things that their government do does. Or we look at coups and we're like, oh, that could never happen here. No. That could never happen here. What happened in Venezuela could never happen what? here. Well, I mean, it could because our government is the one that perpetuated the coup. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, we've, we've grown up in this bubble of protection right. since World War II. Right. Really, the bombing of Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. outside of 9-11 mm-hmm. was really, and, and Pearl Harbor was really an act of war, right? Mm-hmm. It was a country it wasn't some guys, uh, you know, who moved here and learned how to fly planes. It was backed by a country. Right. Uh, right. With, a, you know, a Air Force. And and just Navy. as patriotic as we stood at that time. We have to stand right now. But look at the aftermath of that. Oh, That's yeah. what's scary. Mm-hmm. Is that that moment was so marketed and, and it was so spun that then we started attacking Muslim Americans. Right. So we can look at that as a, yeah, that's a time we, we've come together. But the end product of that unity was more the fear. opposite of what it should be. It, it was more fear. It was more fear and it was more hate. Right. Uh, and it led to policies that now we have federal troops disappearing people in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, with the promise that it will help it happen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, you know, we just have, they just, they're just so terrified, right? Because Black Lives Matter, nonetheless, got national, like, international, international, international protests. International on. protests, right? There was one in Mexico yeah. about police brutality as There's well. There's been one in Paris, uh, yeah. or multiple places in France and Berlin, Berlin and, uh, you know, a so lot of places. It's been international. So that's what they're terrified of, that this movement finally, for once, for once, has put people together in yes. the same room. And they will do whatever they can to shut them up. Yep. To shut it down. Yeah. To shut it down and shut up the people that are speaking about yep. it. And that's why I'm asking you guys not to. Because this Citizens Academy is terrifying for us. You should be terrified as well. Mm. Because, no, not just because you know us, not just because, you know, we're our na- we're your neighbors or whatever, the, whatever that may be. But because if you are not in agreement with this government, you are next. You're targeted. Yeah, 100%. Regardless yeah. of what you look like. Yeah. And on that note of fighting... And being resilient, uh, 
I want to talk about John Lewis mm. for just a minute. Um, as is, has been said in the media, we lost a titan. Uh, we lost a giant. We lost a civil rights leader, somebody who was beaten almost to death, who marched with Martin Luther King Jr., who served his community mm-hmm. for decades. Uh, and his loss is a great loss, but also should light a fire in our belly, knowing that we have some shoes to fill and a fight to continue. Um, I am so glad that he was able to live long enough to see Black Lives Matter painted on the streets of Washington, D.C. Um, and, and I hope that he found pride in that. And I hope that we are smart enough to know that we have an obligation to carry on his legacy. Um, and in the same vein, uh, news broke just the other day that Asheville City Council has voted for reparations for the black community, <clears throat> made international news, that all the details have not been ironed out. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty new resolution. Uh, there will be no direct payments to black families, which is something that some uh, activists and advocates are, you know, having an issue with. But instead, they say that they are going to inject money into the black community here, into the arts, into education, into black businesses, which I hope uh, has a long term effect. Uh, and the the hope of the city is that this helps black families build generational wealth, which is something that has been stripped from them uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a step in the right direction. We will definitely be keeping an eye on how this plays out and what kind of investments are being made and the timeline of this because there's a good chance that this is just to make pretty headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the work is not done. The advocacy is not done. The fight is not done. Uh, we need to be vocal. More than that, we need to stand united. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it, it, it really saddens me, but at the same time, it, it creates like it, it makes my inner warrior come out right whenever I found out of Mr. Lewis's death because the civil rights movement had everything in its power to become everything and it was cut short by the death of Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and you know and and what was Martin Luther King's last call to action for the poor people of this country to rise up yeah. and stand united. And exactly. And Regardless so, of race. Exactly. And it hits home a lot with me because seeing, I, I work with, with an organization now, a nonprofit organization. Um, I think you can follow us on Facebook and stuff like that. It's called Poder and See. And we're very new. And we have this mentality of chingonas, which is basically like um you know like badasses Mm -hmm. that's what they that's what we call each other because there needs to be more people like that there needs to be more people that just speak up 
whenever something's wrong and aren't afraid to stand up whenever something's wrong. And I'm not just talking about your wrong, like, oh, that was not, that was not okay. I'm talking about, I mean, in, in the time of, in the time when they were, when the civil rights were happening, there was lynchings happening right now. Right now, in this age, day and age, we have people dying in hospitals due to lack of health care. We also have lynchings. We do. We have people, we do have lynchings. Um, we have children dying at the hands of federal government. Mm-hmm. We have children being lost at the hands of the federal government. We have white vigilantes, uh, you know, attacking people of color. Yeah. And there's just so much work to be done. And it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a weird where I where It's, it's weird. What I don't know how to explain it because I'm filled with so much sadness knowing that he's gone. But at the same time, it really fires me up to mm-hmm. say, you know, you left us this torch mm-hmm. and we're not going to let it die. No, we've got it. We've got to, we've got to carry it on. Um, and like, even whenever we were running, um, it felt even in the aftermath mm. of our race, we created these waves that cannot be undone. No. And that's what I mean. Even in the, even if it, if, if you don't succeed, as long as you create these waves, as long as you get people talking, because now we have even people in the Democratic Party reaching out to us like, hey, can you do this? Using us as their token. I mean, you were appointed to. Yes. You know, Governor's Board on Inclusion. Yeah, the Commission on Inclusion, you know. And they have, they've been reaching out to us to tell us, to ask us, hey, what can we do better? That's just one step in the right direction. I am, I, I, I am Catholic. So, um, you know, I, I pray every day that I can have the strength to carry on and to be able to help lift that torch and continue the good fight. We can't be afraid to get our hands dirty. Yep. What did he say? Good trouble. Yeah. Get into good, good trouble. And that's my, that's, that's what I, that's what I constantly push people, motivate people to do. We cannot afford one more day in silence. Mm. We cannot afford one more day of sitting down and watching it happen before our eyes. We cannot afford to sit, to just be looking at it through a TV or through a computer because one day it's going to be you. Mm. And that day is coming real soon. We hope not. And it, and it, there's a possibility. Yeah. If we don't act now, if we don't stand up now, and I mean, there's politicians in there that are running that are good, you know, Mo Davis, Cal Cunningham, you know, our, our governor, you know, those, those are good people, but we can't just leave it up to them. And we can't just assume that they're good. Right. Because they have a D next to their name. We can't. We, we have to, to do that. No. We, we have to hold them to, yes. accountable every step of the way. And we have to push them. Uh, you know, as what are they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do for black indigenous people of color? Mm. What are they going to do to help the poor in our community? What are they going to do to create reparations? Because I don't know if you know. But reparations and cash happen to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Reparations and cash, although not not very good, are happening, and we need more to the to the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. 
So where's everyone else? Because my family is from Mexico. My family owned land. My ancestors own land in the United States. What are we lost it? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you understand. Where my family was given land. Right. So my dad's family was just like, hey, hey. here's a piece of Virginia. How about it? Yeah. Will you farm this? Just do it. Yeah. And then they used my people to go and, and, and help, you know, harvest. But how are we going to fix this? I'll tell you how. By realizing that without it, without generational wealth, you can't do much. You really can't. Uh, it, it, it gives people a lot of leverage, you know, and I was talking, uh, again, I, I was and talking not just money leverage. I mean, societal, societal leverage. And yeah. in your own person, you grow up to believe that you actually rule the world, right? Or not even that. You can build something. Right. It gives you some some self-confidence. Yeah. That's well, the word. It gives, you a, it gives you space. Right. It gives you a place. Even if, even if, even if people say, well, my family lost it long ago. Even if your family lost it. It is still generational. Yeah, it's still impacting you. Yes. You still have that privilege that it was given to you. Whenever you don't, you consider, you live in this constant, I call it a poor mentality. Mm -hmm. You constantly live in this poor mentality that nothing is attainable. You can never reach that height. Yeah. You can never go that extra mile. You can never reach what those, what your counterparts reach. It's this poor mentality that is embedded in you at the onset of your life. Yeah. And and here's, again, the thing, right? That comes back to, well, it's not, ha- it didn't happen to me, right? It didn't happen to me. So, well, it's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. The way that our economic system is, is working, it was brown people. It was black people. Now it's going to be white people. And then what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Then you're going to want to call for policy change. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to want to call for reparations for you know, your, your loss of generational wealth. And we look at states like West Virginia, who've just been, you know, devastated by economic depression. And, you know, at at what point are are they going to rise up and start asking, Hey, uh, it was your policy that caused my family to lose its wealth. And then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, reparations are cool. Mm-hmm. We want, but no, no. I mean, you're black, you're brown. No, sorry. Get over it. Mm-mm. And, and you know, that's what I say about, this is why this topic is really hard for me, because I don't know how to explain to people that if your neighbor is hurting, so should you. Well, you are, whether you realize it or not. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you are, whether it's going to be financially. Yeah. Whether it's going to be, society, like, on a societal base, uh, or whether it's going to be on a on the basis of, of your simple shared humanity, um, you just need to recognize that hurt. Because at what point, right, at what point does my pain not matter, right? I was reading the book, Just Mercy. And um, 
he's the, he was one of the uh, authors that created that museum in Alabama with all the lynchings that he the names yeah. yeah so he was saying in one of his last chapters if we could just have mercy mm. if we could just have mercy on each other then we would realize that the death penalty probably does more harm than it does good mm-hmm then we would realize that there is a clear injustice even if that person was in the wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's a state-sponsored killing. Right. You know, what? What? how, how uh, hypocritical can you get? And if we can just... You're going to kill somebody for killing somebody. Right. And if we can just expand that into our own personal life and, and just have some mercy, like it has been given unto us, because... I'm here just by luck of the draw, mm-hmm. right? If we rationalize everything, right? I think I said in the last episode that my dad was taken out of our truck and everything and that sort of thing. And what, at some point, one officer had to have a little bit of mercy for this man and said, hey, let me look into his background. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, they, they realized, realized who they had who they had. or who they didn't have, yeah. which is who they wanted him to be. So if at one point, even for just a split second, we can just have mercy, a lot of things can be different. A hundred percent. A lot of things. And I'm not asking you to be Mother Teresa of Calcutta. (laughs) I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to, I want, like, if you see a protester on the street, have a little bit of mercy mm-hmm. and try to understand why they're out there. Mm-hmm. If you see a person like, oh, well, what if we see a person committing a crime? Try to just understand for at least a second and at least let them live for goodness sakes. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that, um, committing a crime shouldn't be an automatic death sentence. No. Uh, the last time I checked, we had a justice system. It wasn't just, a single person in charge of being the judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only fault in your argument about mercy is asking a machine to be merciful. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, the government is a machine. Uh, it will never be merciful because machines don't understand what mercy is. And that's why I'm putting it back to the people. Yeah. Right? So it's got to be on It's got to be us. Yeah. It can't, we can't just sit there and just be like, oh, that's terrible. What's going on? No. We have to take it upon ourselves. We have to be proactive. Yeah. Yeah. To actually do something about it. Yeah. Right? Because like you said, and I we said it before, the system was not created for us. Yeah. So if we have to take it, if we want it to change, we have to change it. And brick by brick. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, and I think that will will end uh, with a simple question, which is, what are you going to do to change it? Yeah. We'll see you next time. Yeah.